Hey, what's up? It's Alex Morgan. And for me, the start of the new year is all about commitments, setting your intentions, restarting your routine, and committing to you from day one. Body Armor Light, the low-calorie, zero-sugar-added sports drink. Shop now at Walmart. Hello, and welcome to The Nature Connection, Science, Wildlife, and Environment Radio, with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy. Welcome to the Nature Connection here on Big Blend Radio. Today's episode takes us to Yuma, Arizona, and we're going to hear all about the nature uh, areas, birding, uh, gardens, cultural history, all amazing experiences offered through the annual Yuma Bird Nature and History Festival. It happens every January, and it's put together by Nancy Meister. She is the president of the Yuma Audubon Society, and also Yvonne Peach, who is the owner of the Coronado Motor Hotel, and I encourage you to go to the website. It is an awesome event. Nancy, we've done the event, and um, we know Yuma pretty well, since it's our, our the Coronado's our hotel headquarters when we go in the area, and uh, it's just beautiful with the wetlands, the Colorado River, uh, so definitely check out the website. It's Yuma Bird Nature History Festival com and it's coming up for 2021 uh the weekend of january 15th so we've got three special guests we've got diva linda kissam the food wine shopping diva is here uh linda's cool. written an article about her recent experience at the festival in 2020 and uh, the article you'll be able to read it in the spring and summer issue of big blend radio and tv magazine or you just go right over to blend radio and tv.com and you can check it out now so welcome back diva linda how are you doing i'm doing very well thank you everything is uh, budding now and blooming and the birds are everywhere and i can actually now um decide which bird is who and who who is which bird that's probably oh, good. the worst english sentence put together ever but it's but you know once i went to this bird festival now i understand um you know what who the birds are and what they're doing and why they're doing it so uh you know it was a great thing and Very and so good. that helps you because i know you just moved from southern california to arizona and then of course you know in summer she's off on her boat the diva ship yep. her uh, diva ship <laughs> yeah so but this this when you went on this on this festival, I know you went to the gardens, you went bird watching, and we've got another couple of guests we're going to introduce in a second here. But um, did this help you kind of get familiar with Arizona? Yes, it did. You know, living uh, six months in one place and six months in another, you, about the time you get, begin to understand where you're living, and this is a new area for me, although I've moved like, you know, 20 times in my, uh, in my married life. Um, you know, it's really great now to understand from going to the gardens what, what actually is in my yard and what could be in my yard. And then to, so I live on a bunch of water, I live on a lake. And so we have lots and lots of wildlife that comes in and uh, comes on our backyard, you know, flies around the water, flies in the water, out of the water. So, uh, and we have our own white egret too, which is Ooh, unbelievably wonderful. Nice. Yeah, so... So he or she comes wow. every so often to get the fish in the lake, and it's uh, 
so is it, you know what? It's just like it all came together. I mean, it, I understand the plants better. I understand the, um, the and the wildlife better. So uh, this is a great festival to go to. I mean, who would who would think that I would ever go bird watching? But now I'm sort of a fan of it, and I think everybody should do it. And and that's why I wanted to do this article and this uh, particular show in mm -hmm. the way that we're doing it. Awesome. Oh, who who would think the diva would get her own bird? Her yeah, own but egret. who knew? Well, the diva, I know that she's going to get bird jewelry just now. Her, her <laughs> shoes are going to be sparkled in shapes of birds, you know. I, I see oh, what's going to so happen. Funny. You know it's true. I know it. I know it. I, uh, well, you know, as you were saying that, I was watching a home and garden show last night, and they did a, a ceiling, a ceiling in uh, birds. See? And I thought, you know what? Mm, that might be really idea. interesting. To, uh, see? <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. Oh, that yeah, I think it'd be a good idea. Well, cool. I want to bring our next guest on, Yvonne Peach. Uh, everyone, you've heard her on Big Blend Radio in the past as well. She is the owner of the Coronado Motor Hotel, the Yuma Landing Bar and Grill, which is on the same property, as well as the uh, Casa de Coronado Museum. You've got to check that out. A really cool museum on the property that shows the history of Yuma, the history of hoteling, uh, the history of tourism, a history of aviation, especially. Um, and this is part of the reason she uh, co-founded this uh, Yuma Bird Nature and History Festival. It's not only about the birds, it's also about aviation history. And the Yuma Landing Bar and Grill is actually the, ver the site where the very first airplane touched down in the state of Arizona. So uh, go to her website. It's uh, go to coronadomotorhotel.com. So how are you doing, Yvonne? I'm doing just fine. Thank you for inviting me. Hey, it's cool. good to have you back now. Is, yeah. is it all quiet now that we've, you know, moved on to our next <laughs> destination? <laughs> is Yuma quiet now? Well, it's quiet. You know, they have the Midnight Oasis this weekend. So pretty soon we're going to see a, a lot of cars and hear a lot oh, of cool. rumbling. Oh, cool. Yeah. You know we love those cars. Yuma has the best car culture ever. Uh, oh, it's a wonderful event for people to come to Yuma to see. It's at Midnight Oasis. Awesome. You guys got to get Snoop to come down. He's got a nice yeah. pimp mobile. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He does. It's purple and he makes it go up and down and it's very cool. Yeah, Ivana, I wanted to touch on this because you also have a nonprofit connected with your museum and the, and the festival, but um, this is something that uh, you get a lot of birders that come to the hotel over the years. I know it's an, over 400 species, I think. We've got Daniel Stewart joining us here too, and he's a biologist, so he can really get into the nitty gritty on that. But um, you've seen that over the years, that it's, you get a lot of nature enthusiasts coming out. Well, yes, what it is is for years we had a bird festival here in Yuma, and it was uh, a really um, a growing event. Mm. And uh, I was excited to see it every year. And then overnight it stopped. And uh, mm. it, it was five, it's been five years, it, or it was five years. And I got together with Nancy with the Audubon Association and myself. And the, my nonprofit is the uh, Yuma Historical Society Museum of Aviation and Tourism. And I told her, I said, um, I think our two nonprofits should work together and we'll put on a bird festival. And mm -hmm. so anyway, we worked hard at it last year and last year uh, was our first one. And then of course we had one here in January, which made our second one. And I'm hoping our third one is much better because it took time, you know, after mm -hmm. five years of no bird festival in Yuma to get it back in shape. It's, it's been tough, but we'll make it. We've been, we've been growing as we go. I love it because I think it's, you have these different, you know, activities. It's a lot of times when you think of festival, it's like, oh, it's like another street fair. 
Um, but this is not what the Yuma Bird Nature History Festival is like. You actually go out on all these activities, uh, you know, like garden tours and going bird watching and hiking and canoeing and, um, you know, all these different activities. Uh, so you get to choose which one. And there's a lot of activities that you and Nancy mm, put is. together. And so it's, it's a big deal, uh, a lot of work that goes into it and uh, definitely a unique experience. I'm gonna bring our next guest is Daniel Stewart and he is a biologist, he's a wildlife biologist for the US Army Yuma Proving Ground and he also lives in Yuma. So welcome to the show, Daniel, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks for having me. Hey, this is awesome. So it is over 400 birds, right, that, that's in the area. Uh, you know, I, anytime I start talking about numbers, I kind of have to make them up as I go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so as soon as I say a number, I know I'm going to be wrong. <laughs> and as soon as we say there's 400, there's going to be 401 pop up. So, okay. <laughs> uh, but it, it's an incredible diversity. Um, and uh, and you know, we're we're part of the uh, Colorado subsection of the uh, Sonoran Desert here, and the Sonoran Desert is our most diverse of all of our deserts in the United States. And uh, and the really th the thing that makes Yuma, a real jewel in the desert, is we have this really awesome feature running right through our community, the Colorado River. Mm -hmm. And that's a very unique thing for this desert ecosystem is having this Colorado River flyway. Um, so, yeah, we, we've got birding opportunities here that are just uh, astounding. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and it's not just for birds, you know, we also have a lot of unique desert wildlife in the area as well with our, everything from our desert bighorn sheep, uh, Sonoran pronghorn, um, and of course our, our mule deer and all the other, uh, wonderful wildlife that we have out here in this area to enjoy. And, and bats, because there was bat viewing too. At yep. the festival. I know Absolutely. That. Yeah. And beaver, that's the one thing, you know, we always, you know, seeing them in the wetlands, um, in, in the west and the east wetlands, uh, in right, you know, just steps from downtown Yuma. I couldn't believe it, that they're back and they're, they seem to be thriving, <laughs> which is really. Yeah. Nice. And, and one of the most unique recreation opportunities I ever had was kayaking amongst the beavers at, at Taylor Lake at Picacho State Park. I mean, just uh, all these wow. areas, uh, you know, where you can just be right there with wildlife. This is really awesome. Cool. I want to go. <laughs> I know. I know. So did Diva Linda like, you know, behave herself with all the birds? I, w I want to know how she did. <laughs> <laughs> They're bird watching when because you, you went up to Senator's Wash as part of the festival. So, so the day of our tour, it's like the it's like the weather got perfectly like feeling stuck in your current job, looking for a career pivot. Are you a proven leader looking to step up? The University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business prepares students to meet challenges, solve problems, and obtain a profound understanding of how to operate in the modern economy. With MBA and MS programs offering flexible options to fit your lifestyle and goals. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more today at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable. Piled in exactly for our tour. We got out there and, and the sun was just perfect. The, the, there was no wind. It was, it, you couldn't imagine better conditions for bird watching. Um, and, uh, uh, and the particular area where we were birding at, it was pretty long distances, so we, we had to like look through spotting scopes and binoculars and stuff to really be able to see anything. But uh, but gosh, well, I'll you know, tell you this. Um, it was a wonderful tour for a novice. Anybody listening? And, and and you know we're with with waterfowl and some of the things we're able to get to watch along those lakes and stuff is it, really nice to be able to get spotting scopes zoomed in on the individual birds, especially when we have our, our novices out there. Uh, it's 
uh, it's always good to be able to point out like the white spot on the head on the Eurasian uh, 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 on the on the widgeons or on uh, you know specific characteristics we use to identify birds. So it's really nice when you got a bird sitting out in the middle of the lake that's not going anywhere that you can zoom in on. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. So, Diva Linda, did you get to see terns? Do you know what? Do you remember any of the specific species that you saw? Oh, I got to see all sorts of stuff. Um, Coons, is that right? It, it probably has a longer name, but a raccoon, I That's think, it. and he lives a lot. Oh, God, I love that bird. And we, uh, I think at Senator's Wash, there were uh, a ton of them. I mean, there were just hundreds of them. It was wonderful doing whatever egrets do. I mean, it was just fabulous. I will say this, it's very interesting to me because half the group were novices and half the group were dedicated bird watchers. And I'm really glad that I went uh, I was able to go on a tour with a dedicated bird watcher who knew that they could email what they've been seeing to some site and other bird watchers were uh, following along as we were going and uh, and they knew a lot and it was very exciting to be part of a group that just was really dedicated to this. Mm. Uh, Daniel's scope really helped and I was the shortest one in the group so the scope would be very high for everybody else and then he would have to come over and um you know make it low for me and then but there was somebody i can't remember who one of one of, one of my people were uh, was helping me you know up down up down but you know so i i think next year if people want to go you you should know it's a it's fun it's wonderful um i got to see more of outside yuma than i thought i i already knew that there was a, a lot of water-based activities in in and around yuma but i had no idea that uh, all this wildlife and birds and so forth was uh, also available. It was, uh, I think we saw probably uh, four or five different birds. I, I have photos of them in um, the slideshow, I think that you guys are making mm -hmm. up for me. And uh, there was one particular beautiful one that Daniel pointed out. Nobody else thought it was on a wire, like a phone wire. And uh, and I can't remember the name of the bird. It was a little chubby little thing, but it was beautiful. <laughs> These birds are just just gorgeous, and um, you know this is just a really really special activity. And uh, and you don't have to spend all day at it. You can spend half a day or a quarter of a day, and and then go back to the Yuma Bar and Grill and have wonderful margaritas and Mexican food or whatever kind of food. I love I love Yvonne's Mexican food. Which yeah. I mean. yeah. Yep. I am a fan. I am a big fan and uh, bigger than big fan. And um, I didn't know that just this whole, this, this whole thing, the, the birding with Daniel, who was so patient with us, a patient, but moving on, you know, moving forward, you know, we had a good pace. I, I didn't feel like we were ever, you know, waiting too long on one thing or letting one person, you know, control the group. It was very, very good. And, um, I didn't know the gardens were wonderful. I mean, it all sort of made sense. You know, I went and saw the gardens first. I began to understand the flora and the fauna. And then I, and then I went, because um, one of the gardens, uh, is it the Moody Garden? It's one with the, with the big uh, wildlife refuge duck pond that's, thing. That's a conservation so, garden. The human conservation garden is the one that really um, shows a lot of the native plants. And then the Moody Garden is the yeah. one that's shows all the different kinds of plants you can grow. Oh, the demonstration Yuma. garden. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I love the conservation garden especially because it was such a surprise uh, with the wildlife. I really got into the wildlife. I think you probably can tell that. And then it was just really special to end this trip on this wonderful birding out uh, 
outing with Daniel and, um, you know, he just knows everything about everything. And then he starts mentioning sheep and beavers and things like that. And you think, okay, well, next time I come, you know, maybe I'll see those things because mm-hmm. those are all real important. Some of our people went and saw the bats and if I was like the best thing ever. So, uh, I don't know, Yvonne, you did a really good job choosing your people, like the guy who was supposed to take us on a canoe trip, but it was too windy. You know, he walked us along the banks. He was wonderful. I can't remember his name, but he was wonderful. And uh, and having Daniel, who was very patient, but so knowledgeable. Uh, so I was really, really happy when he agreed to come on the show. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's my impressions. There's, a, there's a, a lot, you know, when it comes to the wildlife, and Daniel, you mentioned pronghorn. Um, mm-hmm. Where, yeah, that that's something we we don't hear that much about in the Yuma area. I hear about bighorn sheep, but pronghorn. Where whereabouts are they? Are people able to see them, or do you have to hide well, it's, them? Uh, yeah, well, our pronghorn are are further east than Yuma, uh, and I, mm-hmm. I I come at everything from a perspective from YPG because I'm spending most of my time out on our ranges, and we're doing a lot of work with uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and Arizona Game of Fish with. Uh, Recovery for the endangered snoring pronghorn, and so uh, uh, probably the best place for folks to see pronghorn would be along Highway 95, heading up towards Quartzsite. Mm. Um, uh, there's a few uh, near Highway 95. Uh, then uh, also out, out towards Ajo, Cabeza Prieta National Park, uh, yeah. uh, National Wildlife Refuge. Some of those areas have have some pronghorn. Um, so uh, we're hoping that uh, as as the recovery efforts continue, that we'll have more pronghorn closer to Yuma. Um, but you know, we'll see how the recovery effort goes. Oh, it's exciting because oh, nice. they're yeah. really neat. We we wanted to yeah, see them are. out by Organ Pipe, but we uh, weren't able to get out there at that time. But yeah, it's neat. And Kofa, that's the one thing about Yuma is you've got so many national wildlife refuges around you. You've got Imperial, you've got uh, Kofu, you know, Kofa, excuse me, Cibola, um, all these different nature areas that people can go to. I mean, you could spend, Yvonne, you've got people that come out almost every month just to go to a different hike, <laughs> you know, or a different. Yeah, I have birders all the time staying in the hotel. It's mm. year round. It is absolutely yes. year round. It is a year round tourism. Yes, it is. Right before we left, um, we were in the wetlands and we saw pelicans, which was really cool. They were huge. Big, big white pelicans. The biggest pelicans I've seen ever. Yeah. You know, I'm used to the California brown pelican and they're they're mm-hmm. good size, but these, I was just like, whoa. Yeah. Well, we, used see, we used to see them a lot whenever John and I'd go out near gate. We'd, mm. see them, we'd see them along the canals. And I used to tease him about them because I did not know they came out here. Yeah. I mean, it just floored me, and they're huge. They're so big. That guy, it's just amazing. It's like, yeah. You wonder how they get off the ground. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're, 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 when they're flying, they fly, um, you know, at first you think they're going to be ducks or geese because they fly in a V formation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they, And then you realize how big they are, and it's like, well, what, like they're dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> flying dinosaurs, exactly. <laughs> Daniel, hey, do they well, come, go ahead. Uh, what, what's what's really fun is is when you're out in the in the middle of the desert and you don't really have any context for how close the water is to you, and yeah. you look up in the air and you've been like off road for hours and hiking for miles and you're there's no water in sight and you look up and here's a pelican. Yeah. Yeah. It's like <laughs> what? And seagulls. That's the other thing. The seagulls. Seagulls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you go what? What's a seagull doing in the desert? But the pelicans. I do have a question about that. Um, 
we noticed that some of them have a bump on their nose and some yeah. on their beak, Bill, whichever it is. Uh-oh. <laughs> but they, some have like a bump and some don't. Is that a male-female thing? Yes, and the males will get that notch uh, during during breeding season. They'll have that notch uh, on the on their bill, um, and I think that notch uh, will eventually shed off, and then it'll grow, regrow. But I could be wrong on that. Oh wow! Um, but but yeah, it's 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 associated with males. Yeah, and I think that yeah. during breeding season, it's it it changes to kind of a reddish color, hmm. then it fades. You know. You know how men oh, get. They have to show off a little. There they are. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the show, Daniel. I have, <laughs> yes, I, I have a question for Daniel. Daniel, I understand that the Colorado River this year is going to run high, maybe 100, 110% of capacity. Wow. Um, is, is that true? Have you heard that or did I get misinformation? I, really... I have not heard anything on what on what the flows would be, um, but mm -hmm. that's that's great news. Uh, that's that's really be... good news. Yeah, because I kept uh, hearing from Mr. Canugai and yourself, um, you know, how important these uh, Colorado how important the Colorado River is to uh, Yuma and, of course, you know, Arizona and everybody else. But, uh, you know, and it's sort of uh, dwindling in a way. And so it would be really nice if we had one of those Mother Nature uh, experiences mm -hmm. where we just get more than we ever expected and maybe it would come back up to semi-normal. I don't know if that could happen or that takes years to do that. Well, and there's there's a lot of demand for the water now, so it's uh, you know the, the 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 natural system is somewhat different than it used to be. Um, now, I want to say it was about five or six years ago uh, uh, they had an opportunity to do a surge flow on the river, um, and, and there was an excess of water in some of our reservoirs. Uh, that um, that was my understanding. That it was mm. water that was allocated for Mexico, but Mexico wasn't able to take the water because of some damage to their infrastructure uh, from the earthquake we had in, in uh, uh, 2010. So there was all this extra water, and the agencies all come up with a plan to release all that water at once to surge that water through all these wetlands and recharge some of the uh, uh, the the wetlands and everything in Mexico, as well as helping our wetlands out here. And uh, and they actually kind of mimicked a spring flood event, mm. and um, mm. and it had some really really good benefits uh, for like marsh bird populations and things like that. Um, cool. So be, it'd be terrific if we could if we could have that you know again and more often, but yeah. gotta have water for that. I, I think mm -hmm. I think the Colorado got a really good snowfall this year, um, and really really big snowfalls and and frequent. And uh, we've done some, we were up there last year in July, June and July, and a little bit in September. And we went to the headwaters of the Colorado River, which was really cool to go from the top to the bottom mm -hmm. and be, you know, be familiar with it. And the headwaters are so tiny compared, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it's crazy because we literally through Rocky Mountain National Park, we were driving the Trail Ridge Road, which is the highest paved road in the country. And it's crazy. <laughs> and you're up there and, and there's like walls of snow on either side of you as you're driving. And it's, it's, it's freaky, but um, very cool. But when we started getting down there to the bottom where we got to the headwaters, of course, we had to go there and had our little uh, champagne portovino toast. And we toasted Yvonne and John because we were at the headwaters and we're like, okay, we're at the top. But it's so thin. It's like this little winding stream. It doesn't even look like a river. And it's amazing to me 
like how it opens up as it, you know, flows down, you know, down to Yuma and into the Sea of Cortez. You know, it's amazing how a river will change to just little baby headwater. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> but, it grows um, up. Yeah, then it grows up. A, I don't know if I've ever been to a headwater. That really sounds interesting. It is. Ooh, I might have to do that. Ooh, yeah. I like you that. You can do that because you can follow it from there. We were going to try and do that. We managed to follow the Arkansas River from mm -hmm. the headwaters, uh, which is different. So that this headwaters from Colorado is gushing. It's one of the top whitewater rafting in the in the world. And then you, we got it to Little Rock, Arkansas, where you know Little Rock's right on the Arkansas River, and it's this big, wide, calm piece of water. <laughs> it's like, what happened? So it's interesting with Yuma. Um, you know, if you guys get that extra water this year, I mean, Yvonne, the tubers, because don't doesn't the the river tubing start in like April, Yvonne? For everyone yeah, to come up, yeah. you're gonna have a blast. <laughs> yeah, it'll be about the first of April sometime. Oh, cool. Cool. And, and that's the thing when you stay at the hotel and you hear all the river tubing people go, they leave early in the morning, nice and quiet. They come back and they're all partying and singing. Rowdy. And they, yeah, they have a good time when they come back. They've been floating all day. So there's this. Well, cool. well my, my favorite is my, my family and I, we like to wait till it gets really hot. Uh, mm -hmm. Like in the like late July, 115, 118 oh degrees. And then we go at 7 p.m. at night. Oh wow! Oh, I think that was oh. Then we'll float in the dark, and we'll carry like uh, oh, uh, the, the little chem lights, and we have a little waterproof lantern that we'll float with us, and and we'll float down, and and oh, cool. and the taco carts are open until one a.m. See that? So we'll right. float down, and then after we get out of the river, we'll go over to the taco carts on on Pacific, and uh, uh, and just have a wonderful night of it. Oh, well, I love this! Like fun. Do you? Okay, so do you see? wildlife and bird life at night when you when you float down because you can see the stars and stuff right when you do that uh yeah sometimes uh, w uh, when we do it a little earlier in the season uh i see a, f a few bullfrogs um but uh cool. and of course you see a few little fish and stuff floating in the in the riffle areas and stuff um but uh you know we're usually too noisy when we're floating to really see a whole lot <laughs> but, but uh, when we're uh uh, when when we when we go on some of our kayaking trips, uh, we we go a little further north on the river up around Picacho State Park, and and uh, uh, mm. and there we see a lot of beaver and a lot of um, uh, muskrat and things like that when we're oh, out. Muskrat. <gasps> I want to well, see a muskrat. Wouldn't it be good during the night like that? Have stargazing. <laughs> Oh yeah, 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 uh, and uh, and particularly when you get further further up the river, you know, get away from the city lights and everything, where you can kind of see it. And um, uh, a Fourth of July, it's nice to kind of float through, and you can sometimes see the fireworks off of the uh, Paradise Casino and and kind of see them above the reeds. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so, yeah, but you keep talking about Picasso uh, State Park or State Recreation Area. It's one of my favorite places mm -hmm. to go in Yuma. I mean, you, it's just it's like a whole different planet. And, you know, the last year we went through like petrified forest and, and a lot of these geological wonders, uh, though that Northern Arizona, like, wow, you know, but Yuma has this, it's right in the backyard. I mean, if you live in San Diego, Phoenix, Tucson, you're traveling through on the interstate across country, you've got to go to Picasso uh, State Recreation Area. It is one of those unbelievable jaw-dropping experiences when you drive in at sunrise 
and mm. it's it feels like we're you're on the moon going in there we saw <laughs> um some saw some burrow and uh you know all kinds of you know birds and all of a sudden, you know, some people go, you know, go there uh, by boat. So Diva Linda, it's your style on that. People just float down there the river. There we go. Uh, but yeah, I like it. That is one of the, I don't think, Daniel, that, that is a geological wonder, I think. I think it should be like in a national wildlife fed, uh, refuge or national park status, actually. It, 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 is, it is a really awesome place. And, and the birds up there are just amazing we, we get a lot of uh, bald eagles up there mm -hmm. uh there's there's actually peregrine falcon that are breeding there um and uh, uh and, and just uh, right there along the river it's got all this you know wonderful habitat and, and the history up there and and you know and, and that's uh similar to the history of the of of the rest of the yuma area you know so much rich mining history in the area mm -hmm. and, and things that the uh that the state parks have uh, worked to try to preserve and 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 educate the public about um mm -hmm. uh and the thing the thing the thing i'm always most amazed about when when i go and see some of these historic sites um the the historic town of Picacho was mm -hmm thousands of people it's amazing uh, I, I, I won't say what their 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 number on their sign was something like 5,000 people live there uh, and, and you don't think about that when you look out in the desert and you see these little uh, uh, abandoned mining towns or mining villages and stuff people moved across the landscape different in history and and uh, and you know the river was a big part of that um, also you know the uh, Butterfield Trail and some of the uh, mm. people following mm. the the Gila River uh, um, Butterfield Overland Mail, all that kind of stuff. Those followed water features and places where livestock could safely travel. Mm. That's the uh, Anza expedition, Juan Batista de Anza expedition. I'm so like into that, and it's interesting how they came through, and it's the, where the confluence of the Gila and the Colorado River meet. There, there seems to be like that was like a big deal. That that portion of the where the rivers met that. Um, where people crossed, where people, I don't know, where they camped. So there was like a lot of historic campsites along the river, along the lower Colorado River, and then going up to the Gila River, it seems like. It's interesting. And, and, and historically, you know, all these river systems, the environment was much different um, uh, back in those days. And, uh, uh, you know, nowadays, you know, we've, we've, we've taken so much of the groundwater and, and, and all the different uh, uses of the rivers over the years, and we've tamed them so they don't get the, the, the flooding like they used to. But uh, historic accounts of the Gila River, as well as the Colorado River, you had these massive deltas where, you, where it was uh, uh, cottonwood and willow forest. And that's what a lot of the fuel, uh, the fuel for the uh, steamboats, they were cutting trees along the river to, to fuel steamboats. And, hmm. and that was because they had these massive deltas that would provide enough wood that you could cut wood to power a steamboat. Wow. Um, and, and you know it's it's different now, but but if you put, take your mind back in time to the to the settlers coming out, uh, there was there was tales of the old Fr of, uh, French and Spanish trappers uh, uh, going up and down the Gila River trapping beaver. Mm. Uh, uh, you know you, you wouldn't you wouldn't think about going up and down. You know the Gila is not much more than a ditch now, right. um, but you know it was it was a different uh, ecosystem back in that time. It's fascinating. Uh, you, uh, the petro the petroglyphs is it the painted rock ah painted rock petroglyph site. It's not far from Yuma. You just go. It's between. In fact, uh, Diva Linda, your your house is right near there. It's it's a fascinating fascinating place. And um, 
it it's like the crossroads and just like Yuma, it's all connected with the Butterfield Overland stage route, the Juan Batista, you mm. know, the Anza expedition. And then also they there's a sign there about oh the Mormon battalion going across that's talk about them too. But uh I think it was at Jean Baptiste that was there. It wasn't he one of the French trappers um that went through. I think it was John Baptiste. Yeah, yeah, and he was, and I think he was Sacagawea's son. Oh, John no Baptiste. Way. Uh, yeah, oh. that's uh, gosh, I can't remember his his full name. There's a lot of John Baptistes in history. Yeah, but, but yeah, he was he was actually Sacagawea's son. No way, dude. Who knew that? Dude, Linda, uh, <laughs> Linda, you need to go John, there. John, John Baptiste Ra- Ra- Rabichal, Rabija, started yeah. with A, I believe. Charbonneau, Charbonneau yeah. or something. Yeah, I get confused. Sh- Charbonneau, that. yeah. Yeah, Charbonneau, because we just came back from uh, Natchitoches, Louisiana, and there's a Jean Baptiste Denis. Oh, I know what that I can't. No, that, that was the guy who started the first settlement there, Denis. Denis, uh, yeah, I'm going to yeah. get him all twirled around yeah, here. Yeah, was, he was the, the first to settle there and that was the first settlement in louisiana okay they, they yeah. get around but I, you know you were talking about the cottonwood trees and you know the river boats one thing also if you go to yuma landing bar and grill that that's you have so many photos there yvonne showing the history of the river and just like you do in the museum uh, you have some of those photos of those river boats yes i do yeah, yeah several of them <laughs> it's awesome it, it's just amazing to think of you know those old paddle boats coming through when you're standing on the banks you know you know just down from the hotel you know at the wetlands and you just stand there and you're like wow there were these big massive boat ship things going down (laughs) you know it's like how how did that happen you know but it has it's changed course over the years and you know so it's really fascinating how it all comes together this history the the wildlife the nature uh before we go diva linda one of the things you experienced uh to me which i really hoped we could get to is you went to the Cocopa event at the Cocopa Museum and you went to a fry bread tasting. So uh, you got to taste fry bread and make it, right? Yeah, um, when I lived in Utah for a while, a short time actually, uh, fry bread was really big there in the malls of all places and it was tasted really, was wonderful. I loved it. So when I saw that this was part of the tour, I thought, oh, good, now I'm going to get to see how it's made and stuff. And I got much more than I thought. I mean, the trip to Cocoa Palm Museum is uh, something everybody should go see, just even for the drive itself, because you get to go on a lot of Indian land and uh, and you get to see the diverse uh, vegetation and all the crops and all that. And it's just really a, so from uh, the Coronado uh, Hotel, it's about 30 minutes. It's a beautiful drive. It's an easy drive. Um, and so what, so when you go in there, you get to go for us anyway, we had a, uh, about a 45 minute tour of the museum, which is really, uh, uh, really well done, really well done. And the tour is well done and it's very small, but it packs a lot into it. And I think it really sort of gives you uh, meaning and understanding to the native Yuma culture and, uh, I enjoyed that a lot. And then and the second part of the tour was going out and making and eating fry bread. And you can see pictures of that in my video. It's, uh, that was fun. So we had all ages doing it. Um, and uh, one, one of the uh, Indian ladies was showing us how to do it. And then we all made our own fry bread. And then they fried it in, in a 
kind of a steel can, which was interesting. And then we had something called screwbean mesquite tea. Uh, you know, I thought it was wonderful. It was absolutely mm. wonderful. I didn't know what to expect, but I thought it would be, it, it was earthy, which one would expect, but it was uh, very, very good. Really, really enjoyed it. And then probably the most um, stunning part, the most soulful part of, of that trip to the museum was uh, the Coco uh dancers. There were moms and daughters um, that did a couple native dances for us. Um, they were twirling and to a rhythmic beat, um, and they. It was just really. Uh, you sort of look at them and you think, now how does how does he learn those steps? They're just yeah. so, so beautifully done. They dip and they twirl and they whirl, and it's in the little ones to the big ones to the middle ones. Um, so if anybody gets a chance to go see the Copapa Museum, they should. Once again, very, very easy to get to from uh, Yvonne's place. And uh, I think if you just call ahead, you can make sure that you get on a tour and see if what sort of activities they're having that day. They have lots of little activities there, uh, not just the, the fry bread tasting, which I think was probably special for uh, my group that I was with because they were all writers. But um I don't know. I think um, it, it's just one more piece to the puzzle that makes Yuma such a great uh, destination. Yeah. You know, it's just uh, really, really spoke to my soul. Really enjoyed it. Yvonne, good choice. Good, good. Uh, it was a very interesting piece to add to the selection of what we could um, choose from. Really, mm. really smart. I, I love um, my garden. I love well, I'm glad I you enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed oh. it. Mm. Oh, mm. yeah. I mean, you really worked hard on this. I mean, it, it wasn't just a, this is a very multifaceted uh, event. You know, it had very layers of everything. Well, that's the reason why we cha change it kind of from the Plain Bird Festival to the mm -hmm. Bird Nature and History Festival because they all intertwine. Mm -hmm. Everything intertwines, and that way it makes it interesting for everyone. Mm, it does. It does. And I think there's just so much to it. And I encourage everyone to go to the website, YumaBirdNatureHistoryFestival.com. You can see the itinerary from this year just to get a sampling of what's to come for next year. In January, again, that's going to be the weekend of January 15th, uh, 2021. And um, once the registration goes up, you're going to want to register as soon as you can, because a lot of these activities are limited in numbers because, it, you know, there's all this transportation that goes out. And uh, so you can't have 100 people at one event, but you never know, depending. So check it out. Again, YumaBirdNatureHistoryFestival.com. Uh, Yvonne, I know you, you're still doing museum tours, right? People just come and uh, make an appointment uh, at the hotel yes. so you can take them yes, uh, through, I am. Uh -huh. through the museum. So uh, definitely when you go to Yuma, check out CoronadoMotorHotel.com. Recently featured in Arizona Highways as well. So congratulations on that. No, Beautiful thank you. feature beautiful feature in there so uh, also Daniel thank you so much for joining us and and giving us some extra knowledge on the birds and the history as well I didn't know we were going to get a history lesson from you too so thank you <laughs> <laughs> thanks <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining us again everyone uh, you can keep up with Diva Linda at all in good info that's the perfect diva name <laughs> so to keep up with her adventures there and the article is up on blend radio and tv.com in our nature department you can also see it in the spring summer issue of big blend radio and tv magazine i want to thank you all for joining us we're going to close with some music uh this one this song is called akatio and we want to play that since it's uh, an arizona song it's about an arizona plant 
and it looks like see daniel we were under the sea once once before right when you look at an aquatio don't you think it's sea kelp it looks like kelp. Yeah. <laughs> it does have that look but yeah i mean spring and fall wow. it's in bloom it's beautiful so uh the aquatio plant you're going to see that all through yuma area and this is from the album perfume of creosote desert exotica part one and it's by michael and spider so here it is aquatio thanks so much everyone Thank you.